This is the Wits Up Podcast and you're listening to our Expert Edition. This is, uh, this is a very different Wits Up uh, podcast episode. Normally we interview, I say we, but it's typically just me, interview professional triathletes and we try and find out a little bit more about the person behind the triathlete because pro triathletes are human beings too. They're not just robots who swim, bike and run. Uh, so that's generally what we do. However, we're introducing... I guess a new new part of the Wits Up podcast, and that is uh, Wits Up experts. Um, and the very first person, the first person I even thought of, um, actually the person I thought of that made me think of this idea was a very good friend of mine. I was about to say, but more importantly, that's the important part, the very good friend part. Uh, but this woman is um, an expert in her field. Uh, she's been writing content for Wits Up for quite a few years now. And so I would be crazy not to invite her onto the podcast. That's the longest introduction in the history of introductions. She's smiling and nodding. A little very bit glowing. Very <laughs> glowing. Yeah. <laughs> um, please welcome to the podcast, don't expect an actual round of applause because we're just sitting in my living room at the moment. So just just pretend. Um, Amber, You'll edit that in later. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, canned laughter. Is it? No, not laughter. <laughs> you don't want laughter. No. Maybe later on. Um, Amber Johnson from First Wave Fitness. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I definitely feel very. I'm not a pro triathlete. Yeah. Yeah. Did my, you say yet? No, I said definitely not a pro triathlete. I don't think you meant to bike faster than you run, and that's kind of where I got to. So <laughs> that was the height of your triathloning career. <laughs> My Ironman career, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do uh, remember a good friend of ours who happens to help us out with our bikes. Very early on in my triathlon career, basically said to me, "You're supposed to run faster than you've biked." <laughs> Learned that very early from. Our friend and smart-ass friend, yep. Craig Jansen of Giant South Yarra. Yeah. Yep. yep. I've also been told by my housemate in an Ironman where I only got through the swim and the bike. I said, oh, look, I did two-thirds. His response, I've seen your run times. You did half. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, now, for those of you who don't know, I, I refer to you as – a strength and conditioning expert. But Thank you. Yeah? Is that the right sort of <laughs> yes. title to use? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, I'm happy with that. Okay, good. <laughs> I refer to it as a lot of, of other things. <laughs> no, but let's – what does that actually mean? Strength and conditioning, you know, you, you think of the gym, you think of pumping weights, you know, but what does strength and conditioning actually mean to you? Can you describe your, your title? Oh, good question. Good question. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I I guess uh, strength and conditioning is a separate qualification to being a personal trainer. Um, it's governed under a different board, um, and in order to work with athletes who have any kind of government funding, you need to be recognised and qualified through ASCA in Australia. But there are several different boards globally. Um, being a strength and conditioning coach gives you the ability to make a more robust athlete. So there's a lot of different factors that play into that in terms of the progression of their program, uh, understanding sort of what the 
physical literacy sort of skills are under each of those athletes, how to ensure that that athlete is ready for the loading of their sport, how to make sure they don't get injured and also how to progress them from a power and strength point of view. So I think you have a little bit more of a broad scheme picture of what you're doing for the athlete above something that's just sort of sets and reps and this exercise is for your glutes or for, you know, weight loss or any of those kind of things. So I'd say it would be a little bit more around the planning and the why you're doing everything you're doing and how that fits in in the realm of their sport. Right. So you use the word athlete quite a yes. lot. So yep. do you refer to your clients as athletes? Every single person who walks through the door is an athlete? If they are here to see me for a to make themselves move better for a sport outside of our session, I certainly do, yes. So for yep. anything from a recreational athlete right through to a professional athlete, I do refer to all of my clients that way. Yeah, yeah right. Yep. There's a quote that you use – uh, I can't remember whose quote it actually is, but I, I love it. First, I like to take ownership of them myself, so that's uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Anna Johnson, 2019. Yep. First move well, then move often. often. That's Grey Cook, yep. And that's pretty much your ethos, right? Yeah, it really is. Like there, I mean, when you read some of my stuff, if you work in the industry, you would actually probably have a pretty clear understanding of who my influences are. Um, and all of my work is about building the proper foundations of movement first before you add loading onto that. And I guess everything that I try to do is about making people more durable for their sport. And for me, that's the same as, you know, building the foundations of a house. So if you don't set things right from the beginning, eventually there's going to be cracks or the whole structure is going to collapse at some point. So it's really, you know, Everybody thinks about adding power performance all the time when they think about strength training, but really a vast majority of my time in the gym is about correcting movement patterns and facilitating rehab and doing all of those sort of things that make your client move better so that they reduce their power losses instead of adding power performance all the time. Ah, yeah, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. That you're, 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 you're restricting the losses as opposed to yeah. trying to heap on the power and the strength, which is eventually going to crack. Well, if- I guess from the, that perspective, when a client comes to me, they come to me already doing the loading of a sport. Yeah. So they're already coming to me as a cyclist who's riding, you know, 12 hours a week or they're already a triathlete that's doing 15 to 20-something hours a week. So... In those, and a lot of the time people come to me once they've noticed something is wrong. Mm -hmm. So you don't have that same opportunity to build up everything textbooks wise that you'd like to. So you do really have to strip back a lot of that training and go, you know, where is somebody leaking power that is making them work harder than they should be when they're on their bike, when they're swimming, when they're running, like, you know, if they're on their bike, are their hips swaying from side to side with every pedal stroke? Because if that's happening, then there's a stability problem and with every pedal stroke, they're working so much harder mm. than what they need to be. Like are they over-rotating in their swim? Does their hip drop or their foot kick out when they're 
running. Like these are all like small signs of movement compensations that you might not notice initially. But if your hip's dropping on a run and it happens, let's say, on your left hip and you're running at like a 90 RPM, that's going to happen 5,400 times Mm. in that hour. So you do that over – that's one hour of run. You do that over and over and over again. Eventually that's going to lead to some sort of – overuse injury essentially so you look at those kind of things and go where can I be cleaning this up like if you're doing all of your sprint work with your coach if your problem is that every time you sprint your hips dropping yeah and you're leaking power out there until we clean that up that sprint work you can't use the power yeah so they're the kind of things that is really the vast majority of what I'm doing in the studio and then I have a small niche of people who are at that power end of the spectrum right yeah leaking power i yeah. love that term yeah that's a goodie so okay so in and i know that you work with not only triathletes but let's just talk about triathlons yep. because what i know and what yep. our listeners know and yep. obviously what you know in in the world of triathlon at what stage do you see you and your your ethos to training and the fundamentals should be incorporated into a triathlete's training week. And and by that I mean, you know, a lot of people come into the sport and they're just, you know, Sunday morning, um, you know, the whitewash warriors, the people who are just doing it socially and stuff. Where At what point do you think it's important to have strength and conditioning as a, um, I guess, a, a separate session? Or is it something that at the very basic level, a coach should be incorporating into a, into a program? I think... At any level, at a very basic level, it should be a priority because it's about moving better and it, sh- it definitely should be something that coaches look at from a beginner point of view because if you're looking at the funnel of that client, you want that client out there more consistently, training more often, feeling good about themselves because if you're not getting injured, you're not getting sidelined, you get out there, you're going to get more out of what the coach is giving you And then you're going to become a more powerful athlete and you're going to keep with it. So you're not losing a client out the other end because maybe they had a hip problem before they came and saw you. And now all of a sudden we're adding loading on top of that. And then it's, you know, you may be doing a really safe progression, but something that's happened from outside the sport or years ago or an old injury not rehabbed properly, it's not going to cope well underneath the loading of triathlon because it is three sports. So it's quite a lot for the body to take. Um. Sure. Does that answer your question on that? Oh, one? So about, look, it should, yeah. it should be. Sometimes the biggest problem is that I find with strength and conditioning, it becomes another and then for people. Yeah. And people who are already swimming, riding, running multiple times a week don't want another and then I have to do this. Of course. But then if you think about it, right, it doesn't have to be a whole session all the time. Like even small incremental bits that are done properly, repeated over time, are going to make a big difference. Like it's not always all the fancy stuff. It's the small foundation stuff that you need to repeat over and over and over again that is going to make the biggest difference. So it's like if you – one of my clients told me this analogy the other day that if you read 15 pages of a book a night, by the end of the year I think you end up having read nearly 15 books. Right. But the problem is small incremental changes people don't value because Mm. they're like, oh, it's just 15 pages or it's just 10 hip bridges or what does it matter if I release my hips at the end of the night? Like it's no big deal. 
But if you did that, if you did 10 hip bridges every day, that's yeah. 70 more glute activations a week than what we're doing now. Yeah. So it does add up. Yeah. And yeah. So, and so I suppose strength training can be it can be adapted to fit into your program in different ways. Like whether mm. that's something that you do, like I, I try to instill in my athletes that before you go for your long run, let's back off what's inhibiting good movement. So let's release the hips if that's your number one problem. Then let's turn it into switching on the glutes and a quick glute, um, a quick ab activation and then hit the ground running because then you've switched on everything you need for that session. Yep. And even just doing that can make a big difference. So I remember what a couple, I've kind of gone through peaks and troughs with you. At, at one stage, I was seeing you quite a bit and we're getting great progress. And then I got pregnant. I blamed Brett. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reason I bring that up is, you know, I've been wanting to try and get into, get back into moving and being fit. I'm not about performance or anything at the moment. And I remember, um, quite vividly sitting down with you and sort of explaining where I was at. And I was like on the verge of tears because, you know, it's been a struggle, but this isn't about me, but it it helps sum up what I think you're trying to sort of the message you're trying to put out there is that I could go and try and do, you know, hours of training and stuff, but I know by spending a lot of time with you, I'm just going to injure myself, particularly after having a kid, because my body has completely forgotten all those fundamental things that I learnt with you, you know, a couple of years ago. Well, a lot of the time, if you have surgery or if you have some sort of, uh, you know, any sort of traumatic change with your body, it can reset your motor patterns. Mm. So it is really important to go through a phase again of rebuilding those kind of things from the get go before you start adding on top of that. Yeah, and the very first session that I had with you, it was only a couple of months ago now, I left and I, like, we did barely anything in, in, in comparison. <laughs> and we we will get to the whole comparing yeah. in time and where you're at and everything. Well, that's a, that's a really big, cons- like, that's the whole thing of with athletes. You yeah. turn around and, like, it, unless it's something that they've achieved some certain, certain goal or unless it's where they were before, yeah. people think it's nothing. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually... Actually, we're going to get to that because okay. that's one of my questions. Okay. But I remember walking away and because I've sort of been through all that in the past, I totally get that these small, small things, and I'm like putting these in quotations because small things No one do can actually... see you. It's yeah. a podcast. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> it's why I shouldn't actually do podcasts. I actually shouldn't talk and hold a glass of wine because I talk with my hands and yeah. I'm surprised I haven't spilt red wine all over my uh, computer. But – what I was trying to get at is I remember leaving that first session and it was very, very basic. And it's something that we will kind of release on, um, <laughs> release on Wits <laughs> up. Yeah. Um, just a few key things that you did give me when I, when I came back to see you, I actually walked out of there and for the rest of the day, I felt like I was taller. I felt like I was holding myself better. We did, we didn't really didn't do very much at all. I didn't work up a sweat. I think I had a jumper on the whole time, but I felt like, I was in control of my body again and it was a feeling that I hadn't had since I got pregnant. And it, I texted you and I was like, I feel amazing. And it was after one session. Well, that you, you hit on something really interesting there when you said I didn't build up a sweat. Yeah. And even that's a really interesting, uh, I guess, sort of misconception or maybe even just difference between S&C and sort of uh, standard training is that 
we're not there. I'm not there to make my clients sweat and to make them huff and puff. Like that's for fitness and that's if you are exercising. Like I am here to make sure that you move better, Mm -hmm. that you have better stability, that your core patterning works the way it needs to, that, you know, your glutes are firing, that the sequences are happening. Um, And, yes, I'm there to build strength and sometimes, you know, that makes it a hard session. But that's the purpose of that sort of mentality of it needs to be sweat or it needs to be that. Mm. It's not that's your I'm going to one of those group sessions kind of scenarios and it's you know you're already swimming riding and running really hard I don't need to add extra fatigue I need to make sure you're robust enough not to break under the rest of the fatigue yeah but so and I uh, this is a mass generalization but I'm pretty sure that I I'm assuming correctly that's one of the big like the harder cells for you when you when you've got new clients who who don't understand do you know I reckon it was maybe so I reckon it probably was five or six years ago. Yeah. Um, and I and you might even notice that in the tone of um, sort of the articles that I wrote originally and they were around the reasons yes. of why we needed strength training and endurance sport. Yep. And it was always about the sell of what it actually does for you. And I actually think there's been a real tonal shift in that in our sport in the last sort of two or three years where now it's just actually – trying to educate people on what to do, how to do it, when to do it, what, you know, actually empowering them enough to understand what the benefit is. Now they they understand they need it, but really explaining how it should be done properly is the difference in, yeah, right. in the tone of the article change from when I first started writing with you to now. Yeah, because I think one of your very first articles, if not the first one, was – basically how to convince someone that this is what you need to do. Yeah, 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 it absolutely was. It was an article about pelvic stability and I put up this example of how badly I ran in a marathon and the photo of how I ran after a couple of years of doing strength training properly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. Mm. Mm. Which is a fantastic thing for our sport because now people identify that they need to do it so that it's actually that they kind of don't want to do it. Like one of my clients described it as the health insurance of endurance sport. <laughs> and I was like, that is a really good way of looking at it. Like nobody wants to pay that penance. Yep. But they know they kind of need to because if something went wrong, they're kind of going to wish they had of. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, I want to circle back to what you're talking about with, um, and we've had this discussion many times and I have been guilty. I'm sure that you've probably, probably been guilty of it as well, comparing to where – we have been in the past. Yeah, so yeah. whatever that might be, yeah. um, you know, seven, eight years ago for me, I was peak fitness and I was crushing. Yeah. Tra- I didn't really crush any iron distance races, <laughs> but I was crushing training. Um, and back then if Strava was a thing, I would have crushed all the Strava, whatever. But it is really hard psychologically not to compare yourself. I don't have an issue with it now because I'm like, I know I'm starting from scratch, but I imagine – when you're working with athletes, that's a you're not just working with their um, functional movement. You are basically working with their mindset as well. Like, it can that... be it can be really humbling for a lot of people when they come yeah. into the gym to do the stuff that we're doing because your athletic ability and your movement ability can sometimes not be 
interrelated. And I know that sounds really unusual, but our bodies are so efficient of finding a way to make something happen. But it doesn't mean that you're moving well. Mm. It just means that you've gotten really efficient at doing it the way your body knows how to do it. Yep. So it can beg, steal and borrow from all different places if um, even if your glutes don't work. So like say, for example, if we were about to go into a running stride and we're calling your glutes, we're going, come on, I need my glutes, I need my glutes, and they're not answering the phone and they're not answering the phone quick enough, your hammy or your lower back are going to kick in and go, oh, just bugger it, I'll do it. And then they come in and then that's how sort of that movement pattern starts to create that compensation. So you might not notice that all of a sudden your hammy is being super overloaded, but then eventually when you do a hammy and you be like, oh, something wrong with my hamstring. It's like, well, actually the problem's (laughs) your glute. It's not your hamstring. It's that your hamstring's been doing all the work and you've been ignoring all of those signs that it's not working properly and now it's just gone pop. But that's probably why I like to work with athletes one-on-one a lot more than I do in a group scenario because it it can – we roll in a sport that is very results-driven and there's so much data and then you come into the gym and I'm like barking at you going – no, that's not right. No, no, repeat. No, bring that back down. To to be fair, you don't actually bark. You're quite a – not mellow is not the right word. Soothing. Like yeah. you're actually, it's, yeah. Somebody, one of my clients the other, you're not very motivational. So when you say something really lovely, like you give us a good compliment, I know I've really earned it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> you should, woo, that was confronting. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep track of that now. Each time I come yeah, in so if I say something nice, you know, I really mean it. Um. <laughs> But literally it is a case of because if you're not drilling that if you're not drilling that movement right back down and we're not checking that you can feel that it's coming from the right place, then we're just instilling the same pattern. So that is when, you know, people are like, you know, but I ran a three hour marathon and you're barking at me that I can't get off the floor yet because I can't show you that I can use my glutes. Yeah. So it, it can be a little bit confronting, but then it's important that you sort of educate your clients that it doesn't mean that you're not good at what you do. It's yeah. just that we could make that hell of a lot easier and stop your body from working so hard to do that yeah. by just drilling it right back. Yeah, yeah. But I think too, they're usually so I'm lucky enough that my clients that come to me are so invested enough in the process these days that I don't need to put a hard sell on that. And I think that people are really starting to understand the value of strength. Yeah. So they're willing to go through that with you. And I actually think that that's, it's a nicer change from when I started in the industry and doing more fitness related stuff. Yeah. Your level of compliance and commitment is far higher. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of that, uh, just, well, not the start of your career in the fit fitness industry but it just made me think about when we first met yeah because you were more yep fair to say more yep. in the fitness industry mm-hmm. arena yeah but I believe not 12 week bikini body but you know <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I was running my own you can grab classes. my program online <laughs> <laughs> swipe up yeah I don't think there was a swipe up <laughs> no, 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 yeah. I don't even think there, there was, was a swipe I don't even left. Think there was Instagram no, I don't think there no, was. No, no. Nah. Yeah. 
who even were we back then? Yeah, I don't who know. knows? No one knows because <laughs> it wasn't online. Um, so we're just going to take a bit of a tangent, a bit of a sidebar. Yeah. Do you remember how you and I actually met? I know that it was through Giant. Yep. Um, this sounds like a test. I'm like sitting going, yes. yes. And I remember contacting you because I wanted to leave my uh, studio that I was working at. Yep. Because I had just gotten into doing triathlon myself and I was doing shorter distance work. And I was listening to, this is kind of how the, my business idea was born. I was listening to in the circles of you know triathlon listening to people talk about their injuries like a badge of honor and i really yeah like oh like i've done three i've done my calf three times and yeah yeah like my hips this and yeah i did my collarbone doing this and i'm like okay and i just sort of felt like but if people were moving better Mm. then that wouldn't be as big of a problem yeah and so I remember coming to talk to you. I set up a meeting with you when you still worked um, at Oz Trimag. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I set up a meeting with you just to have a discussion about the scope of moving into the endurance world because I was quite naive and I didn't know a lot of people within the industry and I just wanted to have a chat with somebody in the industry to talk about, you know, is there a space for that and how receptive are people going to be to that message and... Yeah. yeah. To, on that, I love because that's pretty much been my entire career is going to people. Yeah. I'm not saying I was an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but had obviously been in the industry quite a lot longer than than you. But I like I race it when people reach out to ask questions. Like, how are you supposed to know otherwise? Well, I don't think it's always to me. You don't need to be an expert because I think that there is always value in learning something from anyone who walks in the door yeah it doesn't matter what walk of life that person's from and like even at the moment there's some transitional changes happening in my business and I'll sit down with anyone that I can outside of my industry mostly because they're business discussions yeah about you know what can I actually take from that person even being from a different industry that's going to add value to what I'm offering to my clients or, you know, where my business is going. And I just think starting conversations with people is such a useful way of going about things. Absolutely. Talking's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so back then we caught up what – I'm not going to ask you what pearls of wisdom I gave you, but – Walking away from a chat with me, from a chat with obviously other people as well, what what was the deciding factor for you to say, yep, this is this is the, the path, the direction I'm going to take? I don't know that there was an aha moment of, yep, I'm going to go and do this. Yeah. I think I just took the leap. And I don't know why, but I could always envisage kind of that long-term image of where I was going to be professionally. Yep. And I just went out, I was just like, if I don't do it now, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. So it just, I just kind of like, I would describe it as just kind of just jumping off the edge as a way of making me do it. Yeah. And I think even initially I thought I could see the image of what it was going to be, but I was like, oh, this probably won't happen because that was at a stage when people didn't really value Mm. it. So... It's, it is quite an amazing thing. Like I've 
the business has been open for about seven years now to step back and go, you know, all but maybe three of my clients are there because they in some way, shape or form are an athlete or doing some form of rehabilitation. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty awesome thing to step back and have a look at. Uh, and do, do you take time do you to know do that? Since I've been in the most recent studio, I really, really do. Oh, like, good. I love that space so much. And I heard in one of the business podcasts I was listening to, it was talking about, you know, that whole premise of, you know, we talk about how busy we are and we act so stressed about it as being a negative stress. Mm. And the person made this comment that, that was like, Sometimes you need to step back and have a look at what your business goal was five, six, seven years ago. Yeah. And the next line has resonated with me because she said, you owe it to that person to be happy with the stress you have today. Yeah, right. That's cool. And so it actually has changed my entire outlook on this I'm so busy yeah. um, quota because I look at it and I just go, I am so thankful yeah. That I am still in business seven years on and this is this is what it looks like. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because literally just in the last week I was messaging a friend who lives overseas. I was just having one of those days and what am I doing? Is it worth it? I, I think I even posted, I'm going to be a children's entertainer. Like <laughs> just because I was like far out because I'm stressed. I'm stressed about getting to Kona. I'm stressed about this and that. And her words were, remember why you started this. Yeah. And there was a couple of other things that she said um, and it made me just quickly reevaluate things and change my um, thought processes and my my approach to what I'm doing. Yeah, sometimes when you're in those head spaces, I I sort of sit there and I go, what else would I do? Oh, my God, I (laughs) do that too. What else would I actually – like? How would I actually feel if I walked away from this? Yeah. And even though sometimes, like everybody has those thoughts when things are really stressful. Of course. But I literally could not think of anything in the world I would rather be doing. Yeah. And I think the universe has this weird way of whenever I sort of feel like, oh God, this is getting too hard. One of my clients will send me the most beautiful message and it just settles the whole thing. And I think, oh, what was I even thinking? Like, this is a pretty amazing space to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Just pause. You all right? Oh, yeah, I put him in there because he was just being annoying. Did she dribble on you? Okay. (laughs) Brett's just giving a description of Frankie going to sleep. I might keep this in because it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay. Are you just going to hang out in there? We won't be super long. Amber won't shut up though. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we just had a quick pause then because uh, Brett has just put Frankie down for her sleep for the evening. Um, so it's probably a good thing that I've lost my train of thought because now it's going to bring me back to some of the actual questions that I want to ask. Although the last half an hour has been bang on. It's been great. But one thing that, always fascinates me like we talk about repetitive injuries um in the world of endurance sport what what do you see as one of the most common injuries that you are constantly trying to um fix or avoid i should 
should also say? Uh, probably lower back. Yeah, right. Is pretty common. Lower back and neck. Yep. Um, swimmer's shoulders would probably be another one that's quite common. Um, but I suppose the difficult thing for me to nut down, which it would be, is that I do get a lot of rehab clients and yep. a lot of post-surgery um, clients that I work with. So, right. So a lot of hip replacements. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, hips, hip resurfacing, ACLs. Uh, most recently done somebody who's had a bilateral uh, fasciotomy, so where they cut the fascia in your shins, essentially, just to and release you compartment say, syndrome. When you say bilateral, both legs. Both legs, yes. Yep. Sorry, nerded out there. Um, <laughs> Nerd. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then obviously a lot of lower limb injuries like calves and stuff like that. They're usually loading related injuries yeah. that lead to the over, overuse problems. So, yeah, and right. But then, I mean, injuries are multi... They're always... They're never just cause and effect. Yeah. They're always accumulative, right? Yeah. And one of the most interesting things I find with injuries or, or when people are feeling like they've got a niggle is they're like, I went for a one-hour run this morning, so it's got to have been that. And, well, two things on that. Number one, just because we exercise doesn't mean that every injury is a result of your exercise. Yeah. Like, if you go for a one-hour run, there's 23 other hours of the day Yeah, right. that you're putting your body through different types of loading. Yeah. It's just that when you're doing triathlon, most often people don't value that loading as being something that's contributing. Yeah, right. Because if you think about it, you might be sitting in a, at a desk all day. You might be in a job that requires the same repetitive movement or like we discovered one of my clients' things was that when she operates, she leans out of one hip. And so she's overloading. she's a surgeon. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. And she was leaning out of one hip and that's overloading that hip. Somebody else had a bad shoulder because they actually slept on it bad and that was what was yep. creating that problem. So it's not always going to be sports-related. And when it is an overuse injury, like we were saying earlier, it doesn't happen in that one run. It's the 5,400 yep. repetitions you've done every hour for the last you know, six months, one year, five years, whatever it is. Yeah. And then you might go for one run where you – increase the speed and that loading just bang gone yep so injuries you know it, they can be acute but they can also be as a chronic problem yeah so uh, let's go back to say uh your office worker so let's yep. just you know the, a lot of people are nine yep. to fivers sit yep. sit in front of a computer uh, and you mentioned swimmer's shoulders. So yep. swimmer's shoulder, I assume you mean the rounded shoulders hunched sort of forward. Yep. And, and then- that's typically because they're – so swimmer's shoulders and then office posture is typically – like even somebody who just has an office job and doesn't train is usually going to have some sort of like bad um, thoracic mobility, so upper back, yep. right, and bad stability through the sort of the scapular region, so those wings on the back of your rib cage essentially, yep. all through there. And then our lifestyles in general, forgetting the fact that we do sport, are pulling us inward in from your chest point of view and rolling the shoulders in. Like we're spending time at the desk, which is all pulled in. You're looking down at your phones all the time, so it's pulled in. People sit on the couch poorly and then look at a laptop by, you know, pulling yeah, it again. Yeah. 
And so there, and then you add something like, you know, you're swimming and if you don't have good scapular stability, you are going to be rounded forward through the shoulders and the chest is going to be really tight. So that's adding to it, but it's adding to it at speed. And, yeah. and then you look at, say, the TT position. If you don't have good upper back stability, again, you're going to be putting a lot more reliance on pulling forward through your chest and overloading your neck yeah. in that position. You know, and then you move into the run and, you know, when you do all that all the time and you're not addressing that, it's any wonder. Like, I mean, some people look like they hunch forward when they're yeah, running. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. there's that yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. So uh, just back to, say, the office worker, and obviously it's, it, it, every individual case is different, but yeah. what, what are some of the tips um, that so, you recommend for someone to... So everyone sort of thinks that sitting is the devil. Yep. But... The fact is the problem is not moving. So if you replaced it with standing all day at a standing desk, when we stand, we typically wait slightly more to one leg than we do the other. So if you're standing Uh, all day at the desk, then you're adding a little bit more loading to that. You might sort of sink out of your hip a bit and then you're sinking, you know, sort of like rotating around at your table. So my, my advice would be, and I've seen this even with people who drive all the time, is move. Yeah, right. Move frequently. Move the way your car seat is if you drive all the time. Yeah. So, you know, don't just stay static in one position. Right. So if if you are an office worker, you're kind of going to want to do a little bit of, you know, shoulder blade retraction every now and again between like just open the chest up and squeeze the shoulder blades behind you. I mean, you can't see what I'm doing right now, so it's not that helpful. (laughs) But (laughs) but you can drop me a line and I'll send you a video. Um, (laughs) So... Yeah, so to me it would be just doing, you know, stretching your chest out in a doorway and yeah, you know, stretching your hips, go for a walk, move. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. And I and this is coming from the fact that that I have been a mum now for over a year. I see a big problems when people start becoming well, that's that sounds bad. <laughs> when people become parents, I see big problems. Um, <laughs> but it actually becomes yeah, I notice the most with mothers is yep. because mothers tend to hold their child on one side. Mm. They sink out one hip, one shoulder raises, and you can actually visually see from behind them that one shoulder is sitting far higher than the other. Yep. And then obviously when breastfeeding and things like that become a factor, that's a pull in forward as well. So yeah, yeah, that one's a little harder to negate. Yeah, because. I can stand here as someone who doesn't have a child and say, it'd be really good if you just swap them from one side to another and maybe you should consider carrying them around like this. But I've watched my friends with kids and you know what, whatever works for you, just do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then obviously it's it's good to learn. Um, Release techniques or something yeah. like that just so yeah. that you don't end up with chronic, you know, yeah. back pain. And that was pretty much the first few sessions that I had with you was mainly release techniques as opposed to strengthening. And that's because you have to switch off what's inhibiting good movement first before you can train proper motor patterns. Yeah. Because like if your body's pre-programmed to turn the hamstring on as your glute, then before you do a glute bridge, you need to switch off that signal. So that once you know what those compensations are in someone, it's about personalizing that release work so that you can train underneath that. So that's that that's that whole section of what, you know, restoring mobility and range of motion actually is. It's breaking down where people are locked up, freeing it up, and then training in the new sequence. Yeah. Yeah. This is awesome, by the way. 
(laughs) (laughs) I think that's one of those things, like when you talk about mobility, everyone, sometimes I've found that that becomes where triathletes stop. They go, they go, oh, I've got my foam roller and I release every day and I do my hip stretching and I go to yoga and do all this sort of stuff. Look, that's fantastic because release work is incredibly important, but that's not where it should stop. And the concern for me when I watch that is, say, for example, you frequently got massage on and your hips and you're stretching all the time and your hips keep coming back tight, but you're always releasing them and they're always tight, then you don't have a mobility problem. You've got a stability problem. And what's happening there is instead of using your lower abs for stability or your anything you know anything around the pelvis for stability it's grabbing at your hips yeah and that's why they keep getting tight yeah so your problem's not your hips your problem is that you don't have any core stability yeah so where you think the problem is it quite often isn't yeah and there's another um trainer in melbourne andrew reed he, he i went to one of his workshops and he had a saying that I have run with ever since and I really like it and I use it to explain it to my clients and it's if you and I were doing a project at work and I sat here on my phone the whole time and on Facebook, on my Instagram, just just kicking back and just loving life and you were doing all of the work for this project, who's going to be screaming about being burnt out first, me or you? Yeah, right. But you're not the problem. I'm the problem. Yeah. So the only way to fix the problem is to address me, not to necessarily just keep putting a Band-Aid on you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where, like, I talk to people, you know, and they're always like, oh, should I go see a physio or an osteo or a chiro? And I'm like, it actually doesn't matter as long as they address the body holistically because yeah. now it's more about not what qualification they have. It's their their further education that sort of sets up what type of practitioner they are. Yeah. So you need to look at the body as a whole, not as isolated segments. Yeah. That's a great segue because one of the questions I wanted to, or one of the things I wanted to talk about was one of the things I love about you is that um, you're a great person with a great personality. I was like, can we do this as a 10 things I love about you? (laughs) But most of all... Um, but I love that uh, it's not just you. You kind of work, even though you've got you run your own business, and everything. But you're really open to working with other um, practitioners and experts who work within the fitness industry. Yeah. Um, because it, like you just said, you need to look at the body holistically. So I know that you work with, uh, say, bike fitters. Um, uh, physios, doctors, yep. you know, can, yep. talk me through like the, the, the reasoning behind that and then yep. the kind of people that you're working with. Well, I mean, it's, it, everyone says it all the time with triathlon that it takes a team, like even yep. though it's an individual sport and you're all trying to get the best out of your, your athlete. Um, so it's really important that you're all on the same page. So I really do like to talk to coaches about what their loading strategies are so that then my strength program actually – like fits within that. Yeah, it's got to complement it. Like I can't be doing heavy power stuff if they're in the middle of a, you know, a sprinting block or, yeah, because then they're just going to end up really sore or broken down. And I think in terms of, you know, 
it's hard finding the right advice and I really found that early in my career when I saw different physios and things like that and things being misdiagnosed and or them saying, you know, you're right to go but you just still don't feel right. So there's sort of needs to be a better conduit between physio and returning to full strength and that's kind of sort of the pocket that my business would sit in. Yeah. Um, But I I do – it's a job where you're constantly learning. So I don't for a second believe that I know everything, but I surround myself with people who know the answer. Yeah. And And you're not afraid to No, I'm not afraid to even say to my client, I actually don't know the answer to that, but I'll come back to you with that. Yeah, I think it's so important. Um, And I'm also not afraid to bring in other people into the room. So, you know, recently I took a client over to see another exercise physiologist in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. at Bodyology and Ben there was fantastic. So really, really oh, great Benny help. Benny Griffin. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Great, great help. And sometimes it's like, you know, we all work in we all work in silos in our industry and sometimes it can be a very competitive thing. Yeah. But when you find people of value and people that, you know, might have a slightly different niche to you, sometimes it's really good to just go, this is kind of what I'm thinking with this athlete and this is where my program's been and this is where I'm looking at taking it. Are you seeing the same things that I am? And yeah. what do you think that I could add to that to just push past this plateau yeah, or to right. make sure that I'm on the right path? Yeah. And, you know, I, I have been lucky enough to, you know, work with you, Mitch as well and Mitch has been a great help in whenever there is something that I I really need to go you know, is this a problem? Do I need, you know, what do I need from this? Yeah. He's always right there on the phone to give me the advice. Yeah. You know, to make sure that my clients get back up and running as soon as possible. Yeah. And earlier you sort of alluded to the fact that um, six, seven years ago, strength and conditioning wasn't as, um, uh, people didn't sort of accept it as much as they do today. Yeah. Have you even seen that shift in – because I just remember when I was a personal trainer Mm -hmm. and trying to work with other um, therapists in the field of health and fitness was next to impossible because everyone was so closed off to sharing information. I think that as I've been in the industry a little bit longer, it's gotten better for me. Yeah. but there, there definitely still is that because there are a lot of practitioners and I actually think rightly so is that they will reach out to personal trainers and then give them their opinion and tell them what they need to be doing in their program and the trainer will be like, yep, 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 and then do whatever they do anyway. Yeah. Uh, because they, but I think that that's more out of a case is they might not actually understand yeah, the right. ramifications of what they're doing. And it, and this is, again, like that whole question between osteo, physio or chiro. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter as long as you've got a good one. Yeah, yeah. And it sometimes they don't want to have a big chat with you. But if you actually, if you actually invest in understanding what their treatment is and talking through with them and going, okay, well, this is what I'm seeing with this athlete. What do you think about this? And just actually creating a conversation that shows that you care more and you know more about the way that they're moving and that you've got some thoughts on what you're trying to do. I feel like they're more receptive that way rather than if you just reach out and go, hey, I'm working with this person. What do I need to know? Yeah, yeah. Because I think they've been burned by that so many times. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm. Always evolving. Yeah, yeah, it is. It yeah. is. Yeah. But for the most part, if you if your clients are really good at articulating what you're doing in session, yeah, that really yeah. helps too. Yeah, of and course. And if they're then seeing if there's somebody that needs to go to their physio regularly and the physio seeing improvements, yeah. then it gets you a lot better buy-in and then they actually yeah, yeah. start contacting you as well. Uh, I mean, that's also up to you to um, to educate your athlete well yes. enough so that they can translate that to Well, if in my role you're doing your job properly, yeah. you, you kind of make your job obsolete at some point. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah. <laughs> because you actually should be educating rather than just facilitating. Yeah. Um, oh, I like that one yeah, too. Yeah, I do educating, love educating, not facilitating. <laughs> um, yeah, because I find with anything that, like, I take all of my new clients through a initial movement screening. So I film them uh, doing yep. about seven or eight different movement pa- patterns. Yep. And the reason that I do that is it instantly tells me, you know, are our problems related to mobility, stability, or strength? You know. Are there any asymmetries from their left side? So differences from their left side to their right side? Uh, what movement compensations are presenting? And yeah, that means that I know a lot about that stuff and a lot about that athlete within the first hour. Yeah. So then what I do is I'll sit down with them in the second session and I actually try to show them those videos and I slow it down and I go, this doesn't mean it's going to lead to an injury, but these are like we were talking about before where are we leaking power? Like where could we clean this up a little bit? And then I talk them through essentially like everyone hears, oh, you need to have stronger glutes or you need to have Mm. better core strength. And I actually try to explain to them core strength, what actually is core strength and why is it important within what we do and that it's not doing sit-ups. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What? Yeah. I actually think I've had a sit-up gym, a sit-up free gym for seven years. Wow. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. Unless they right. do it when I'm not looking. So. <laughs> Imagine that. Then now I'm going to come corner. back from the bathroom and all my clients going to be doing sit-ups. Yeah. <laughs> but in the corner rocking. Yeah, just, just rocking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, this, this has been awesome. It's it's all stuff that you and I have discussed um, heaps in the past, in the present, but it's always really good to go over it again and reiterate the importance of strength and conditioning. Um, from, from, from my point of view, what I want to get out of this episode is ideally because you're going to continue writing for Wits Up and doing work w- with us, but I would love for people um, – to, to write in, to send us a message, to send you a message, to get in contact about, I guess, anything in this realm of, of the fitness world. But what, what kind of things do you think you can sort of help people with? Not that, not that you're going to be sitting on the phone waiting, you know, doing <laughs> – I was about to say Dolly Doctor. Was that a thing? It was a thing. Back in yes. the day. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh but God, that I was would like love to do that as a joke, and I'll just. Oh my God. <laughs> Wasn't that like about teenager woes and relationship yeah, issues, Dolly yeah. Doctor, yeah, and puberty stuff? Oh, puberty. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so call in to Amber. I'm not an expert on that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess sort of open the lines of communication and stuff, and maybe we can uh, do another podcast because there's always stuff to talk about. And like you said, this is a constant evolution, but how do you see people sort of communicating with you and how do you hope they can sort of talk, talk to you about this kind of stuff? 
Um, like I'm always open to having questions from people and we can look at um, doing a little bit of an Ask Amber and you can have a chat about, you know, what are the, you know, how how do you even want to get started? Like, yeah. you know. That's a gr- is, great yeah. place. How do you start this? Yeah, how do you get it's started? it's not an amber in every town. No, 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 <laughs> it's not. Um, and that's probably a good thing for everybody. <laughs> um, and it, there's, you know, there's different areas. Like if you wanted us to have a chat about, you know, actually what is core strength and, you know, what is glute strength and how, what actually, you know, if what are movement conversations and what do they look like when you're swimming or riding or running or what should I be looking out for or, you know, what yeah. are the warning signs that, you know, I'm leading towards an injury or, yeah. you know, why does this, you know, why do I always keep having this, you know, ache in my knees when I'm on the TT and, well, the answer is probably that you're pushing too heavy a gear or, you know, could be yeah. a few other things. But, we you know, and yeah. how do you fix that? Yeah. Yeah, and just simple things like that. So if people have got questions around that, that's definitely something that I can help facilitate, whether that be in a um, in article format or in podcast yeah. or, you know, at one of, one of our breakfasts or anything like that. So yeah. I guess it's really up to everybody else to let me know what the gaps are that they feel yeah. like, you know, we're not answering because yeah. obviously... You know, it is a bit of a rabbit warren. You go in Absolutely. any direction with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. And that's, that's I guess, we're doing a, a call out to hit us up and let's let's just see where this where this can go, whether, it, like you say, it is in podcast format or what, however that looks is essentially up to our listeners out there. Yeah. And we could even film the podcast if it's something where we have to show you an exercise or oh, yes. we could do it that way so that then you've got a little bit of a visual going with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Thank you very much for hanging out. With my us. pleasure. I mean, I say us because we did it at my house. I made I got Brett dinner. cook for it was you. Great. Yeah. <laughs> steak and three ve- veg, <laughs> but yeah. fancy. Yeah. Fancy yeah. steak. Well, and three I can't veg. cook steak. What do you mean? Well, I'm pr- like I can lift heavy things up and put them back down again, <laughs> but I'm pretty terrible in the kitchen. So. <laughs> do you yeah. like how I? feigned surprise but yeah you know i I can't cook (laughs) well i know that but also i think i've cooked eight times since i've been with brett yeah so so i need to find myself a chef is what we're saying smart (laughs) or i'm gonna eat the same chicken and broccoli for the rest of my life (laughs) i remember years ago i did i was injured uh possibly an overuse injury uh (laughs) yeah and i could only do like upper body stuff so i was just lifting weights what? You got super swole. I got super swole. Swole. What's swole? Oh, mean? that's like a strength term. It's like when you like. Oh, yeah. don't know that one. Yeah, okay. But don't I was hang like, out at Doherty's. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I haven't, <laughs> haven't been there for a while. <laughs> but I wanted to see what would happen to my body if I went like on a bodybuilder's eating regime. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, so I lived yeah. on like little Tupperware. Tupperware I was going to say packets, boxes, Tupperware, containers. containers. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Sunday night yeah. um, of chicken and broccoli or chicken and asparagus. And I had like eight of those a day. Yeah. Yeah. Did it's you get sick of that? A little bit. Yeah, see, I don't. I've got, well, I don't eat like that, just if I, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but it doesn't bother me. Really? Yeah, you know how some people live to eat and other people just eat to live? I reckon You're I eat. eat to live. Yeah. Yeah, I live to eat. But I think that that's born out of my deficiencies in the kitchen perhaps yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm like this is me must put <laughs> stuff well in mouth with this yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay like we discussed this is before. my life now we we all have strengths 
We all have weaknesses. That would be one of my compensations in my life. <laughs> uh, okay, thank you again uh, for joining us and hopefully we'll catch up. Well, I'll see you on Wednesday. Yeah, absolute <laughs> pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs>